Hello and welcome to The Appetite, a podcast brought to you by Opal Food and Body Wisdom, an eating disorder treatment center in Seattle, Washington. I'm your host, Carter Umhau, a therapist, artist, and writer. And today I'm sitting down with the Opal co-founders, Julie Church, Kara Bazzi, and Lexi Giblin. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Um, We are going to be talking about body image, but in response to an episode that we released a little while ago that was an interview that I did with a doula named Davna Simmons and a therapist who focuses particularly with women and people in postpartum um, named Julie Davidson. And we talked a lot about kind of the identity issues that come up around the perinatal experience, as well as the particular shifts that can happen in relationship to food and to body image during that time. So today we're just going to be having a bit more of a roundtable conversation around body image during that time. All three of you are mothers. I am not. So I have a lot to learn about your experiences. And I imagine a lot of listeners are very much not mothers. Maybe a lot are. Maybe a lot, particularly tuning into this episode, are people that are are parents. But I think I just want to state beforehand that I, I, I hope and imagine that this can be a really interesting conversation um, just to kind of think about what and how we talk about bodies in our culture, particularly the worth of a female body and the worth of the female in general pre and post baby before parenthood and after parenthood. There's, I think, a lot to learn just about like the the way that we think about bodies. So per usual, <laughs> we're body focused today. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly don't want to assume and will not that all three of you have had the same experience because everybody has different and has had really different experiences in life. But um, I would love to hear from each of you a little bit about what comes up for you when you think about your relationship to yourself, both identity-wise and body-wise, during that perinatal experience Mm. I, I guess I've not been quiet about the fact that I am an eating disorder professional who has struggles with her um, body image. You know, I think that's been a big part of of my life. I don't have a simple, joyful relationship with my body, I wouldn't say, or even a lot of times even an accepting acceptance kind of level relationship. And I can I can trace back to some changes that happened around the birth of my daughter 13 years ago. My experience of having Ela was that my body sort of felt like it wasn't mine anymore. And so it's this feeling of when I gave birth to her, I kind of gave birth to part of me too. And it has felt to me like from a evolutionary kind of perspective, there was something in me that just said, this is all about her. My body is for her, especially, of course, when she was little and nursing and, and was so needing of my body that I, I sort of divorced myself from my own needs related to my body. And it just became, it just has felt more like my body is at the service of what she might be needing. And also it's felt like, the other birth that has happened is the birth of Opal eight years ago. And I feel like I just 
like my own bodily needs or bodily experience feels like a lower priority than certainly than Ela, And I think I've struggled. So I remember that happening in those early days after having Ela and feeling this like distancing. And for me, I don't know that I've ever recovered. So I still, like, even though it's 13 years later, Ela's not nursing anymore. <laughs> you know, she's independent doing her own thing. I feel like I just haven't fully recovered from that kind of way of thinking. It feels sort of like being a mom is incompatible to being a full body or something. Mm-hmm. All of me feels like it's just wrapped around what she needs or is. And so I'm I'm really struggling with that in my life. And I feel like I, I just haven't ever recovered back to what I was like prior to being pregnant and having Ela. I don't I just feel like a very different person in my body now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's some of what I talked about with Julian Davina on mm. the the podcast before about the idea of this assumption that women are supposed to go back to pre-baby mm-hmm. as if you could after such a massive shift in identity and way of being in the world. Yeah. Like it sounds like the it still feels like a bit of the wild west for you in terms of like how to integrate that and still be yourself as an individual while you're wanting to like like totally embrace everything about your daughter and be there for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it just feels like the priority like should be other than my own body. <laughs> my own my kind of my own body for my own needs. Mm-hmm. My storyline is that when she gets older and goes off to college, then I get my body back or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I don't know if I don't know if it's hard to think about myself prior to having Ela and all the things that all the ways I would experience my body and it sort of feels incompatible with being a mom. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting hearing you talk about that, which also helps kind of p- me put language to a, a very different experience of feeling like my period of pregnancy got me closer to myself because my history with my eating disorder and being so detached to who I was and my body needs and my eating disorder and going through the recovery process. And I kind of talk about my first pregnancy really being the full circle of feeling fully free from my disorder. I mean, I had recovered behavior-wise before I got pregnant, but I had a lot of question marks about what pregnancy would be like and how I would respond to just maybe the lack of control in my body or what my body would do with its shape or what I'd crave with food. And I didn't know. I was really curious. And so I think to kind of lean in and trust my body in a way I hadn't done before, like fully and let go of a lot of control essentially was more coming towards myself through that pregnancy experience. It was pretty powerful. So that, yeah, it's just interesting to thinking of the disconnect I had both in my eating disorder and I think in my athlete identity of just like not being as connected to my body through sports and then having, yeah, more, more, a more full relationship with my body through pregnancy. So it's, yeah, it's interesting Mm -hmm. to think of it through that, through that lens that you're bringing up, Lexi. Yeah. The starting point for each of you sounded like you, you guys had a really different relationship. So of Mm -hmm. course, like 
looks so different. Mm -hmm. Julie, what about you? When you think about sort of your relationship to your body or even to food, either pre-pregnancy, during pregnancy, after? My experience uh, involved two to three years of infertility and a struggle with getting pregnant and having that deep desire to be a mom. And that was probably the most at war I was with my body. And I was just like really angry and confused and didn't, you know, wasn't giving me what I wanted. <laughs> um, and in that, sought different kinds of counsel throughout the time. And I think the biggest wisdom that I got, and I'm grateful that I was able to orient to to welcome that, was just more patience. And that patience and sort of slowing down to see what would unfold Certainly stripping away on other any entitlement that I had about the fact that, like, I will be this. This is who I should be or want to. Like, it was just kind of a I had to strip away that and still came back to a core desire to still want that, but also as like a patient. So I don't know if that strongly influenced my experience of pregnancy, but this certainly was a lot of gratitude <laughs> And my experience all three times um, was strength and the healthiest and the most vibrant, the most connected to myself that I've ever felt was during those periods of pregnancy. So that is very, you know, and then the kind of postpartum piece of that for me was extended times of breastfeeding all three of those kids. So having, you know, within the last 11 years, having like six solid years of breastfeeding, nursing beyond the you know, three-ish years of pregnancy. So it's like a yeah. lot of years within the last 11 that I was doing all of these kinds of things. Um, and in that too, nursing is like something that I just like, it's, it's, it, it allowed a natural flow of hormones and relaxation and connection and sinking in and sort of that same patience that I talked about in the pre-pregnancy time of kind of just a resting and then connection. And this, it, it syncs up with some personality traits too of like, caring deeply and wanting to give and it felt very pure like mm. pure simplistic meeting of a need and that feels good for Julie <laughs> <laughs> you know so like the nursing I mean that. there's like yeah some of that that syncs up with like what I yeah. like to do in the world and so of course that that would but then the physiological body experiences of the hormonal change every time I would nurse and the relaxation hormones and you know that would yes. be released so I'm curious um, for you, Julie, about if anything of that kind of war with your body that you referred to during the infertility period lingered in any way or, or kind of showed up again, even after maybe those experiences of finally being pregnant and, and being in that with your, your boys for so long. Um, it's interesting. I think if I were to keep it sort of in this realm, my first delivery was is very traumatic and it has a really hard hard story to it and my second and my third became pretty redemptive and so the first being so so difficult and another like tearing apart <laughs> literally of my body and the pain that came with that both emotionally and physically was very very hard but i do think that the process of having the two and the three <laughs> allowed for some healing and redemption of capability and like belief in my body again and a strength and a piece of like doing something that was so hard that came from the similar act the first time was super traumatic i think there was some healing that happened in the whole cycle of it all absolutely wow 
I feel curious for maybe all three of you in your really varied experiences, if there were things that you kind of wish you would have known about what it would be like to be in your body or questions that you wish people had been asking about your experience during those years that that would have been helpful or normalizing in some way about kind of the the particularity of both struggle and the redemptive part or the exciting part of being in your body during those years. And if that's not a question that resonates at all, <laughs> um, I would love to hear more about. Yeah, what I think you guys I care about. I don't. I think I don't have a lot of the part. I don't have as much energy around that question because I actually liked that I didn't have a lot of expectations. Um, that I just was sort of like, "What's this going to be like?" I think that actually was really helpful to not have I don't know as much inform I didn't do a lot of the read I, I did some reading of books but I like just being in it I think that was really helpful for me and my in my growth and certainly then being able to talk to other moms though about the experience or talk to other people friends not just not just have privacy with it I think was really helpful but I think yeah I don't know if I nothing comes to mind in terms of information I wish I had I liked I kind of liked that it was in some ways, a blank canvas to me. Yeah, I would say there, there's no like cognitive input that would have probably helped <laughs> in my experience. It just feels like something you you know you just go go through and you experience emotionally that you can't really. I mean, education feels like pretty limited in its ability to impact, mm. <laughs> at least in my experience, with what I went through. Mm. It just, I guess I was just told anything goes, it could all go any, any way. So yeah, then right. nothing, you know, wouldn't, nothing would have surprised me really. Mm-hmm. That's how I thought about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only thing that comes to my mind is that postpartum, especially, and it's interesting, like I haven't asked any people lately this, but I would, I was very curious about different people's birth stories after because of my experience being so contrastedly different. And so then I got very into that. Like, I really wanted to hear different people's birth stories. So when you asked that question, I thought, I wonder what would have happened if I would have asked prior. But if there's, there was nowhere for that to land. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would be like, oh, if I would have asked people's story. It, 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 like Lexi's saying, I think anything goes. You write a birth plan. You never know what it's going to happen. And people tell you that. I feel like I, at least my team prepared me for that. But I mean, one thing I recognize I had to manage um, – a lot was the question after I gave birth around um, my body and making this assumption that I did something to get my body back because my body did, res- yeah, just the way my body responded, people assumed that I did something to do that. <laughs> so I got that question a lot. And so I have, I, I mean, I have energy thinking about that time in my life when um, it was just unsolicited, the, the unsolicited question that came my way often. It's interesting. I guess it makes me, I guess, want to pose the question of what if we didn't approach bodies that way and when, when after somebody's given birth and just look at bodies with more curiosity and awe that everybody does something different and rather than kind of using that as another time to perpetuate the thin ideal. 
and assume that people are living in the thin ideal because that question so much fell flat for me because I I wasn't trying to achieve a particular body. (laughs) So it was such an awkward time that someone would ask me. And really all I could say is, didn't haven't done anything, not trying to do anything. But you know, it's it's a it's a place, it's a, a place that that thin ideal just gets again really perpetuated. Yeah, it it that doesn't really honor the massive life change that right. someone's gone through. I mean, first of all, with you in a thinner body, if that's what someone's focused on, like, oh my God, you must be working out. <laughs> it doesn't really honor the fact that you would be like, actually, my entire life's changed and I'm really tired and uh, my body's adjusting to breastfeeding or not breastfeeding or, you know, whatever it is. And other people's bodies that maybe didn't lose weight or didn't change or maybe like were in a larger body suddenly or who knows, whatever the change would be. It's not very honoring of the fact that like, actually, you know, I've just gone through the most intense physical, physically demanding thing that I've ever done in my life. And my body's changed because of that and I'm recovering and I have new demands on me mm-hmm. and a new lifestyle. It's like yeah. the least intimate question. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's, it, yeah, it just completely f- falls flat and made a bunch of assumptions about me that that's something I'd value. So yeah, I think if we approach people with that question, it is, it is making some assumptions that aren't fair to make. So maybe that's an invitation for listeners mm-hmm. to consider before asking that question. I think it's it can be a really automatic question culturally, but wow, I mean, it just to have that pause and consider not asking it and asking another one <laughs> that's yeah. maybe a little bit more of an opener. Because mm-hmm. we all do. Yeah, it's a time too, I think, after we've had babies that we are a little bit more isolated. We're with an infant a lot of the day, right? So to have engagement with other adults, I know that was, a pre- you know, I, I appreciated that. So there's a lot more things I would have liked to have talked about than <laughs> what my body looked like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I think in the recent, recent few months, I've been um, working with my body image struggles in a, like a different way. And it has to do with motherhood because my body, I've gained weight over the course of my daughter's like later years or, you know, more recent years. And that's been hard for me. And the way that I've been kind of finding some solace more in it is um, thinking about my body being um, like bountiful and maternal and like having like a kind of a fertility goddess yes. kind of <laughs> like because you know you, I just I do I feel like my body is really um it's more curvy and that kind of to me equates to more of this bountiful motherhood something about that can yeah. kind of bring me some kind of peace or centeredness around all of it Mm -hmm. it's like an archetype that you get to live into yeah it feels like sort of like my body is more similar to now to my mom's body and so something about my body being similar to my mom's body equates with this like lineage thing but then that lineage thing is very hard for me (laughs) (laughs) and so so it just is a huge source of struggle for me Mm-hmm. Yeah, it introduces like new parts of identity to to balance or to make sense of in terms of the way that your body presents, like maybe being, you know, 21 in one body and feeling really different from different people in your family, perhaps, or, or whatever else, getting to kind of live into one archetype or one way of being and then another phase of life where you're like, oh, now I have to think about 
this thing that I maybe didn't want to think about or like this new thing to process about what it feels like to be in this body and like a whole new narrative. Yeah. How that layers with aging too, right? Like what that does in terms of our thoughts about ourselves and yeah. mm-hmm, as we age too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of comes along with this, like, this body of wisdom. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Maternal body of wisdom, I feel mm. like, the, with the aging layered on. Mm-hmm. I know this is different, but I, I relate to that in terms of my hair um, graying. I feel like it grayed quickly over some really stressful years. And I'm like, I didn't choose that. Like, I didn't I didn't want my my hair to be gray. I wasn't ready. I wanted my brown hair still but then like having to adjust like what does that look like and how do I what is the meaning making and how much choice do I have over that and how much should I there be some acceptance and um, sort of catapulting me into a new way of thinking about how I present when I think about the progression of kind of the next phase of life for me it's uh comes with a lot of grief and mourning because it feels like I'm as listeners have kind of heard me wrestle some with parenting this season of motherhood is much more challenging and much more apt to ha- lead to disconnection from my body and um, I would say disrespect of my needs or like who I am um, than it did in re- even the pre-pregnancy and pregnancy and postpartum and nursing time. So I think that that also is something that I'm realizing is like that season of my life is over and I feel sad that I'll never get to experience any of those things again. And I do equate some of them as something that I'll, there's nothing that ever will parallel it. So it's just done and it's only in the past and it's only memory. Mm. Um, so it, yeah, uh, I have some maybe dismal, hopeless loss, grief in that to work through, I would suppose. Wow. We all have such different experiences. It's like, it's really to have these type of conversations where we're all in this. It's just, we all have very different experiences. Yes. And it's I, so be- it's, it's really neat in a lot of ways. Yeah. Too, of just. It's really neat. It's really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, I think it also is an interesting thing to, to just notice that even like in crafting an episode topic, which is what we do on the podcast, we think about how we can talk about something and kind of lay out a, a path forward. And mm-hmm. this feels like, you know, three different mm-hmm. rivers, right? Mm-hmm. Parallel to totally. one another, not even necessarily mm-hmm. feeding into the same place. Totally. <laughs> like, maybe, but um, it, it, that's just a striking I know. thing. I was thinking of like patches being patched together. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I think I, uh, I, I hope, the messiness of that or the sort of like disparate experiences in that I hope can be an invitation for others to just think about the particularity of their own experience that maybe they have had or or would desire to have or could anticipate having or maybe don't want to have it all or, you know, mm-hmm. if you've gotten this far and you're not even interested in this topic, <laughs> like, great. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think that it just introduces the fact that everyone's going to have a really different story. Yeah. And that is the normal. Yeah, the normal should be the variety, mm-hmm. and that's I don't. I mean, you two, um, Kara and Lexi, you both have spoken to the fact that um, there wasn't much of a, an expectation that you guys had that it should look a particular way, mm-hmm. and whatever was going to happen was going to happen. But I don't hear anyone saying that in my generation. 
think that the expectations are pretty clear. Maybe that's because of Instagram. Like, mm. this is what it's going to look like. Mm-hmm. So I love, I find it refreshing to hear that you all are like, I don't mm-hmm. know. It's great. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know. And so I just, like, what happened mm-hmm. What was what happened. So for all those listeners out there that um, that have been kind of mulling over these three really mm-hmm. varied experiences, um, I, again, I hope that's an invitation. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, uh, as always, if you guys want to reach out with more questions for us or you want to share a little bit of your own experience, you can reach out to us on social media, on Instagram at Opal Funabadi or on Facebook. If you want to learn more about our programming or our community events, visit opalfoodandbody.com. Make sure you're subscribed to The Appetite so you're up to date on all of our new releases and leave a comment and a review on your preferred podcast app so that others interested in content like this will be able to more easily find us. Thank you to Jack Straw Cultural Center for sound engineering, to Aaron Davidson for the Appetite's original music, and Hans Anderson for editing. Join us next time. Bye.